This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Oh, Reed Maras, welcome back to the Blue Army Podcast. This is episode 13. I am your host, Skelly, and as always, we kick off our show with the Blue Army Podcast Joke of the Week. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. It's the Blue Army Podcast Joke of the Week. Rito, I can, I can feel the excitement. I can feel the excitement. This is this is a thinker. This one. When is a football pitch like a triangle? That is a. When is a football pitch like a triangle? When somebody takes a corner. Did you get it? When somebody takes a corner, you know, because a football pitch is like a square, like a rectangle shape. So when somebody takes a corner. It becomes eh, get in right here we go. Then good times are rolling in store on the show today. I am joined by Wills. He returns to talk to me about the Barrow game. That means the Cumbrian derby. And then I am going to complete my prawn sandwich set because Dylan is joining me to talk about everything from the Newport County game. So without further ado, or do, let's just get started. Get in! I'm just doing a little build-up now, yeah. Just hit record now, so I don't forget to do it later. Okay, I'll, I'll just, I'll yeah, I'll just hit record so we've got that back up. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Do you enjoy your week off? Yeah, no, there's not been so much a week off. Um, <laughs> oh, you mean from this? <laughs> yeah, 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 just just getting a break. Just being able to watch a football <laughs> match without making notes for a week. That, a bit of a break, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I I don't make that many notes because I know that you do such a good job of it and I kind of can just chip in <laughs> with kind of thoughts here and there. Part of me was kind of like thinking at the back of my head, kind of like, all right, um... You know, remember that for when I'm talking to Liam. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you enjoy the which which game was it that you watched? Kind of like having taped. It was one of the. 
it was the most recent one that we won. Um, South End. Yeah, South End. Uh, with um, no, I don't scum for scum for. I South End was a Saturday game, and then scum for yeah. would have been the Tuesday night. Yeah, so I mean, it was it was good. I mean, that whole week was pretty good to be honest. We had um, Liam from the Blue Army TV, which is like the YouTube channel. I think you told me about him to be honest. So I, I checked him out in the past. Ah, right. And then yeah. I checked him out again. Just gave him a little comment on his comment section, and he got in touch with me like nice and quick. So. He was doing the uh, South End game. He actually predicted uh, the Barrow score correctly, and he did say uh, it would be like a Zanzala, uh, like late on effort to equalise as well. So I've got to yeah. give him, uh, to give him credit where credit's due for getting the uh, getting the prediction right. And then Is we he had called uh, Liam. Yeah, he's called Liam. Yeah, so that. Nice, that, nice. that that, that got a bit confusing. Well, it didn't because obviously I don't think he knows what my real name is. So I don't think it mattered that way. <laughs> it was just something in the back of my head that was amusing me. And then um, we had uh, Nathan from the Prawn Sandwich podcast. Um, yeah. he's, like a, he's like a Sunderland fan, but a Sunderland fan who lives in Carlisle with a passion for Carlisle United as well. Like he's got a couple of retro shirts. He's got the red away shirt from like the 06 season. <laughs> I think well, I've got he, that. Yeah, and he's got he's got the white one as well. He wore them for me. Ah <laughs> uh, man, I've got I've got one of the red shirts uh, signed. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah, it's got people like um, I think it's got Luke Joyce on it hmm. in like Luke Joyce's first spell with us. I think who else it's got on it? Um, Kieran Westwood's on it, and then I don't know just a few look up the squad that season. I think it was, it was amazing. Little... You could watch them doing the uh, like the warm ups and that before the game, and like if they were doing it anywhere near the touchline, you could literally just shout them over, and they'd come and sign something, sort of like mid warm up and that. It was uh, when I was when mums... I was a bit younger. It was it was special, yeah. like you know what I mean. It felt special. Mm. Uh, one of my mum's friends won it in a raffle. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. I remember that squad being quite generous when it came to like signing people's uh, autographs and stuff like that. Obviously, yeah. at the same at the same time, they are kind of skiving the warm up a little bit. So <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I, I, think, I think I think they get a little bit out of it. It's like, oh, I don't have to do shuttle sprints if I sign a couple of autographs. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think I think uh, we ended up meeting Chris Billy a lot more. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that season. I think we met him every single week. He was at home. <laughs> um, right, I'll just um, I'll just dive into the match report, mate. If you're okay with that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, okay, sick. Welcome back to the Blue Army podcast. This is episode thirteen. My name is Skelly, and I am joined back again after a week of absences. Absence. Absinthe. Absinthe? Did you get wrecked on absinthe? I don't know why that's in my head. <laughs> a week of absinthe. <laughs> imagine that. Imagine a full week of absinthe. After a week off, we'll just leave it there. <laughs> After a week off, it's uh, Wills is back, if you couldn't tell by his cheeky little cackle there. Wills is back with me. How are you getting Hello. on, mate? You all right? Yeah, not bad, not bad. It's good to be back. It doesn't seem like a week either. You know, um, <laughs> games come back thick and fast at the moment. Lose all track of time. That's right, man. It's uh, every Saturday, every Tuesday. It's definitely getting... Uh, it's getting on me now. I'm back at work. Like definitely, it's like, it's all starting to pile up a little bit. But we're going to keep powering through, and we're going to see it through to the end of the season, right? Um, we're going to go straight into the match report, and as always, I will give you the starting lineup, which has not changed for 
four games in a row now, but I'm still going to tell you. In goal, we have Farman, the back line of Tanner, Hayden, McDonald and Armour with a midfield of Riley, Guy, Mellish, Patrick, Zanzala and Alessandra. Now, there was one change. It wasn't in the starting eleven. It was on the bench and Danny Devine was back amongst the substitutions. And it was quite nice to see him back. There was a lot sort of touted about the young man when he signed and unfortunately didn't really get the opportunity to show what he can do. I believe he might have the capabilities to go into a centre-back position, perhaps. And after this game, I would be quite happy to give him a go. Uh, the starting lineup for you, Will, would is it just a case of it's not broke, don't fix it? Or were you expecting to see a couple of changes? Um, no, I think I wasn't surprised that he's gone with the same lineup. Part of me thought, you know, maybe he would start, you know, at this stage of the season, start resting players for games on and off, so that some, so that not everyone's always playing twice a week. Um, with Danny Devine back now, um, hopefully Josh Coyote coming in. There's two players there who will be pushing for a um, a place in the starting lineup. I think so. I think we're much more likely to rotate a little bit when we've got players of that sort of caliber that we can bring on. I mean, I was surprised that there wasn't any changes this week. I would have preferred it. I mean, if I was in charge, obviously, I would have made the changes this week and then had that strong, my favourite 11, I guess, going into the um, the Newport game. Mm. But it wasn't to be. And I have to say, after that result, we are supposed to be a playoff-pushing, promotion-chasing side. And Barrow are supposed to be a relegation battling bravely against the team, uh, against the league sort of side. And... I have to say it felt a little bit like two points went missing on Saturday. I feel like we lost an extra two points on Saturday. I feel like it should have been a win based off the fact that we did play our best start in 11. If there was a couple of changes in that start in 11 and we had a we had we had a draw, I would have been okay with that. But the fact that we played our best start in 11 and then only drew 2-2 and to be fair didn't play very well has to be two points missing for me. But we'll get round to that. We'll get round to that. Carlisle started really well, getting the ball up front. There was a long throw effort that was uh, cleared out for a corner. And the resulting corner ended in Jack Armour's first ever senior goal in football. It was a great moment for him. He looked absolutely elated with the goal. You could hear him howling all the way in Carlisle from Barra, probably, the way he screeched after he scored that goal. It obviously meant a lot to him. Lovely to see that kind of passion. Will, what did you think of the opening goal and how Carlisle started the match? You have to be pretty impressed with getting a goal in the first three minutes, surely. Yeah, I think we started pretty quickly out of the blocks and in the way that Chris Beach likes to get them doing, kind of uh, catch teams out before they've had a chance to compose themselves. And, you know, it came, I'd kind of like, I think I briefly looked away from the screen when we uh, when we scored that one, so it caught me by surprise a little bit. But, you know, at that point, I, I felt like so far so good. And Barrow took a while to get into the game, so I was kind of hopeful then that we were going to go on and, and get a good result. Things did look good for us from the off. We continued to dominate, I would say, for at least the first 15 minutes. Um, And then there was just a bit of an awkward moment around the 16th minute. The ball was going back and McDonald sort of run into um, his man and the ball spilled towards Farman. Farman collected quite coolly but then accidentally sort of threw the ball at McDonald's legs. And it was quite 
quickly recovered and there wasn't really anything doing from that moment. But it was only a minute later, uh, two minutes later, when uh, Barrow got the equaliser. So I'm not sure if that little blipping communication maybe got into McDonald's head and maybe sort of started to cause a little bit of friction within the back line, a little bit of nagging in the back line. The commentary were quite keen to point out that Chris Beach was given quite firm instructions to Farman throughout the game um, when it came to his distribution of the ball. I think Beach wanted the ball to be going more direct and Farman was quite happy to roll it out to his closer men earlier on in the game. But when the Barrow goal did come, it was quite shocking defending in the end. It was a deep ball from the the left-hand side, close to the halfway line, into the centre of the box. It was headed clear about as far as the 30-yard line, headed back into the box with no challenge and then flicked on again with no challenge and then just a lack of communication, two Barrow men on one Carlisle defender and the defender made the wrong decision and Barrow scored the goal. Mate, what, what do you have to say about Carlisle's defending there? Yeah, it was disappointing the way that they found themselves behind our defence and, you know, in that manner. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that first one where... Uh, Paul Farman throws the ball at Rod McDonald's feet. I'm not sure if I blame Rod McDonald for that. He had his back to goal. I don't know why Paul Farman threw it out to him. But um, I think he was yeah. trying to throw it over him, but he just sort of like yeah. mis skewed it. I think it just slipped out of his fingers. All I think. Right. Yeah, and um, yeah, the goal that they scored. It, it's just you know simple things, as defending a free kick and just nobody picking up that ball when it came back in again. And, you know, suddenly Barrow had acres of space and, you know, took a good goal. But I think we definitely kind of feel that we that we gifted it a bit. Absolutely. It was unfortunate that for me, it was Hayden who lost his man who made the flick on and he kind of just pushed him in the back a little bit. It was a bit unfortunate. Hayden has been playing quite well recently, probably Carlisle's better centre-half. But... Unfortunately, Hayden did lose his man. It was a wide open flick on and then that left the back line looking a little bit suspect and a lack of communication. Poor defending, League Two defending really. You can't really say anything less fairer than that. It didn't take long for Barrow to uh, find the back of the net again and I was a bit annoyed at this one, Wills, if I'm completely honest, because I saw a foul in the build-up on Callum Guy. Callum Guy was um, probably in the first half and throughout the second half was the target of a lot of fast and fierce challenges. They obviously realised that the number one assist maker in the lead and the number one interception maker in the league is probably worth closing down and not letting have the ball all too often and just keeping the ball away from him. But... The goal in itself can't necessarily be blamed on Callum Guy's challenge, I suppose. There was a poor back pass into McDonald, who was slow to take his touch and slow to clear his lines, and he was closed down by the Barrow attack, and then the ball was brought forward quite well, played into Bruff, who then finished quite coolly, really. He took the ball off uh, off Tanner's foot quite well. Tanner obviously not wanting to bring a man down in the box, didn't make contact, and Barrow took the lead 2-1, and just like that, the game was turned around. What do you think of that second goal? Do you think McDonald is, is to blame, or do you think it's a little bit harsh? Do you think he didn't have enough time to react when the ball was fed back into him? 
Uh, I can't remember the specific things you mentioned with Callum Guy or with Rob McDonald. I can vaguely remember him having a part in it along with other players. Mm. Uh, the main thing I was thinking when the goal went in was that we'd like we'd then left them behind our defence again, and we were in a situation where Barrow player had had time to tee another Barrow player up to get a good shot on goal and score, and kind of it was similar to the first goal we conceded in that regard. In that, you know, once the ball came in and they'd won it, it always looked like it was going to be a goal because they'd just got in behind us and they had all that time and space to make sure that they finished it. It was just an unfortunate goal. Uh, one of those sort of occasions where it, it just came off the back of a mistake. McDonald failed to clear his lines. He was closed down by the attacker. Uh, the attacker went on to pick the ball up down the right-hand side, then looked over, I think it was Quigley, looked over and found Bruff on the left-hand side who, who just uh, took his touch and then finished really well. Yeah, so at this point, Carlisle are now losing. We're about halfway through the first half and it descended into a proper derby, I would say. There was lots of challenges going round. Not a lot of quality on the ball, but not a lot of lump in it either. Both teams were trying to play football. They were both trying to keep the ball on the ground for the most part. And um, it was quite an even contest coming out of coming out of the first half. I have to say, I quite enjoyed that proper derby-looking game. It's probably the meatiest game of football that I've seen in a while. Both teams looking quite happy to get into it. How did you feel about the sort of passion going into half-time? Unfortunately, chasing a goal, but um, signs were looking good. We were obviously up for it. Not necessarily great quality, but we were definitely up for it. Yeah, I was I was expecting uh, more goals to be scored before half-time when the second barrel goal uh, the second barrel goal went in, and I think that was then followed by a spell of Carlisle pressure. And I felt like if we don't equalise, I could see Barrow scoring another. It just seemed like it was going to be that kind of game where there was maybe going to be well, it was going to be quite a high scoring game. Um, it didn't end up like that, but I was um, I was expecting at that point that um, you know there'd be more goals at least at the start of the second half. Uh, I don't think the referee really helped things either. I think it was quite... Um, he, he kind of helped the game descend into a bit of a ding-dong, a lot of stoppages. And I feel like the times that he stopped the game when he shouldn't have were balanced out by the times when he should have stopped the game but didn't. So it was it was making a lot of incorrect decisions, but it was making incorrect decisions that were both too strict and too lenient and in favour of Barrow and in favour of Carlisle. I think Barrow probably uh, shaded it a little bit in the referee's... Um, favour. In, in the referee's favour, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with that. Uh, that seems to be the consensus. And it's not just that we're bitter Carlisle fans. It it did definitely feel like we were getting the rough end of the referee's whistle on yeah, more occasions we felt- than we weren't. Felt like Erdley should have been sent off for a second booking. I was hoping that you bring Erdley up. Now, <laughs> obviously, Barrow probably knew that he should have been sent off for a second booking, which is partly why he didn't appear after the uh, after the first half. In my eyes, that's an odd decision because it's almost like you're just admitting fault. Unless the referees literally said, when he walks out the tunnel, I'm going to give him a second yellow card for his first bit of contact because I've decided in my head that he deserved a second yellow card for his earlier challenge on reflection. And now I'm just going to book him for whatever he does in the second half to sort of 
get the payback for that. It's, it's an odd decision just to bring somebody off at half time just because they're on a yellow. I mean, is that just me or no? I think I think Barrow probably expected the referee would be quite harsh on him, and Carlisle seemed to expect that as well. And they were kind of directing a lot of their play towards him, perhaps hoping that. The, the referee probably knows he's made a mistake and he should have got a second booking there. So it's not going to take much for the referee to... Because, I mean, you know, referees are human and we know that they do this. They, you know, if they make a mistake, you can play in the back of their heads and they're more likely to try and even things up next time they get a chance. So I was totally not surprised when Early didn't come out for the second half because everyone on the pitch knew that he was a walking red card at that point and it was pretty I much was, it was pretty much yeah. just the, the old Gaza wink wasn't it or the old Gary Lineker sort of like wink kind of like eh. you know it was, it was just yeah. a moment where we all knew that was going on but it was disappointing you know what I mean it was, yeah, it was I disappointing mean, I think Barrow were within their you know Barrow were within their rights to take him off knowing that they'd got away with one there Oh yeah, the, you know the referee. The referee didn't punish it at the time, so they got away with it, and they knew they got away with it, and it's perfectly reasonable. They're playing um, within the rules of the game. Take him off, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, Barrow came out for the second half, uh, and obviously, as did we. Otherwise, it wouldn't be much of a football game with only one team on the pitch. Um, Barrow's work rate for the second half was just as good as their work rate in the first half. They did not let up. And I'll be honest, when it was getting towards the 65th minute, I was sort of thinking in my head that Barrow can't keep this kind of defensive pressure up. They've just been smothering Carlisle at every opportunity. And it's not like they were without... Uh, a sting in their tail. They were still capable of springing counter-attacks. They were quite happy to sit back and absorb whatever Carlisle had for them for a while. But like I said, we're always happy to press whoever was in possession uh, at any point. They wouldn't necessarily just uh, have a flat back nine. They were pressing all over the pitch, but allowing Carlisle to sort of have the ball and then feeding off scraps. Talking about feeding off scraps, Zanzala was incredibly quiet in the first half, most likely because uh, he was feeding off less than scraps. If anything, Alessandra probably had a better first half. He seemed to drop a little bit deeper and had a little bit more success picking up the ball and running down that left-hand side. As we've mentioned already, the refereeing was allowing the game to turn into a bit of a ding-dong battle, and that was more and more evident as the second half unfolded and tired legs started to play a factor. In the game, McDonald continued to make uh, another mistake that might have left Carlisle high and dry and with the game out of sight, which was a little bit disappointing. But there was a great free kick from Callum Guy and Hayden headed just wide. I do want to zero in now on Callum Guy and the fact that he is the number one assist maker in the lead league. He is the number one tackles one in the league, and he is also the number one in interceptions in the league. Now, if Callum Guy could find the back of the net once every five games, we'd be looking at a very, very, very talented young player. As it is, he is a very good player. But uh, if you could zero in on Callum Guy's performance on the day and maybe the season as a whole, 
because we've just mentioned his statistics there. Are you a fan of Callum Guy? Would you like to see him go further forward maybe so he could get those goals, be given the opportunity? Are you quite happy for him to be sitting in that role and just uh, picking his passes as and when he pleases? Yeah, I mean, if he gets as many assists and tackles as he does, then part of me feels that to ask him to add goals to his game as well would be a little bit too much to ask at this level. Uh, it, it probably, if he was scoring goals, he'd be quickly snapped up. Blackpool yeah. might ne- Blackpool might never have let him go. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he had a good game, but he, he does sometimes kind of like uh, struggle a bit in some games. So, you know, he's not, you know, he's, he's not kind of hit a run of form in the second half of the season where he's just put in top performance after top performance after top performance, which he did for a bit in the first half. But, you know, uh, a lot of things have kind of um, just kind of become a little looser in the second half of the season. He, he got the assist for um, Armour. And did, did he play the through ball? Was it him that played the through ball to Zanzala? It was It was uh, Anderton. And out he was, yeah. Yeah. But even still, uh, Callum Guy with both the assists against Scunthorpe, I think, if I'm yeah, thinking correctly. Yeah. He's, just, he's just racking them up, mate, isn't he, really? Yeah. He's just racking the assists I mean, up. But it does he concern takes the corners. me. Yeah. That's it. He does. It takes the corners. It does concern, and he takes the sort of like the deep free kicks most of the times, and the wide free kicks as well. And it does sort of concern me when you do look at the statistics of Carlisle and where our goals are coming from, and obviously where most of our goals are coming from is set pieces. And set piece football isn't exactly amazingly exciting to watch week in week out. I feel like it's forgivable because. We do have the players like Torre, Cody and Patrick who are exciting to watch. And Alessandro, I'll put him in there. And Zanzala, put those guys in there. That are exciting to watch. They can run down defenders. But ultimately, the final product isn't that great. And we do end up picking up a lot of corners because a lot of crosses get deflected or a lot of shots get saved. And most of our goals come from that second opportunity from the set pieces. I mean, it's, it's quite nice. It would be quite nice to see one of those lovely fluid moves end up in the back of the net a bit more regularly. But I'm not going to complain. <laughs> yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there as well. We... Um... We still create more shots per game than anyone else in the league. I think someone else was saying that we, at one point in, in the Scunthorpe game, we managed 14 shots on goal in 15 minutes or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. They're not all high-quality shots, and uh, we don't always have much in the way of a product. But from that come corners and free kicks and stuff, just from the like a relentless going forward, we get those set piece chances and then we're quite good from the set pieces. Kind of like forgive the fact that we end up getting most of our goals from set pieces because there's a lot of good play that goes on before that, mm-hmm. with, you know, without the final product. But there's a lot of good kind of passing around in the attacking third that then leads up to a shot that if it was better, we'd be scoring goals from open play. But fortunately, when we don't, we at least threaten regularly from the corners and free kicks and throw-ins as well, of course. Well, the more I've thought about it, the more I've seen it as to be the actual game plan that we've had. is isn't necessarily to... Uh, Chris, Chris Beach isn't expecting Coyote or Patrick to score 20 goals a season. 
Um, he is looking to for those players to win us the set pieces because when you look at Carlisle's set piece play, like Armour scoring in this game, uh, there does seem to be a different routine every week. You know, there seems to be a different intended target in the box for the crosses, for the corners. Uh, there seems to be at least two to three routines in a game. Sometimes the ball goes towards the back post. Sometimes the ball goes towards the front post. Very rarely does it get played short. But it's normally, no, nine times out of ten, a very good delivery. And I would say there seems to be a lot of hard work being put in in the training ground because statistics don't lie. And we do get that many set pieces that it is worth putting in the effort. And that's where most of our goals are coming from, it seems. So a lot of hard work on the training ground getting paid off when it comes to uh, form. Lots and lots of set pieces, but funnily enough, only our second penalty of the season which mm. is, um, I think we're like, we ourselves and Grimsby were joint lowest for penalties won. And, I was uh, wondering like, that. Paul Mullin of Cambridge has missed more penalties this season than Carlisle and Grimsby have got combined being awarded. Not anymore, because now we've been awarded two. Mullin's missed three penalties. Carl and Grimsby had only been awarded one penalty each all season, but now we've got two penalties, so we're, we're now the same as the number of penalties that Mullin's missed. <laughs> uh, well, I'll let those statistics just lie there for a little bit, mate, I think. <laughs> you don't realise how bad luck our season's been until you sort of like stack it all up, do you, in a ladder when you've got the COVID break and all, this, all the things that have happened, the power cuts and all the, all the different floods and God, all, all the things that have happened during our season. It's been a calamity yeah. of errors. <laughs> um, so so uh, we'll go back to the Barrow game. Barrow were actually uh, continuing to press Carlisle and were looking dangerous from some long throws. There was a long throw around the 73rd minute that went into the box and Carlisle were absolutely all over the place when it came to trying to deal with it. It just needed somebody to call it and, and stick their head on it and, and get it wide. As it was, it, it, it was thrown in from deep, bounced in the area, ended up at the feet of a Barrow striker with his back to goal, who managed to turn and shot in a similar fashion to how Zanzala uh, was doing against Scunthorpe, who also uh, hit wide, unfortunately. And fortunately, for us, the Barrow striker did swivel wide. It was making me worry that this game might just get beyond Carlisle if we don't do anything soon. And just as I thought that, something happened. <laughs> A beautiful long ball over the top from Nick Anderson. And Zanzala, who had been feeding off less than nothing, managed uh, fantastically to bully the defender, Jones, get goal side of him, and then just use the contact that was obviously all up and down uh, his back and went to ground. And it was a stonewall penalty. It was definitely a penalty by this point of the game if the referee hadn't have given that penalty I think there would have been an inquest into his performance <laughs> for the match a deserved Chris penalty Beach would have been on the pitch that's it I mean you could hear him when he went down <laughs> <laughs> and Zanzala very confidently picked up the ball as well to take the penalty himself. Uh, do, do, you, do you remember who's supposed to be the designated penalty taker for Carlisle, or is it just whoever feels like it at the time? Well, I, I don't know if he's the designated penalty taker, but our previous penalty was scored by Alessandra, and that was a while back as well. So 
I don't even know then if he was the designated penalty taker. Our last penalty before that was scored against Newport in the last game we played last season, and that was scored by Coyote. So yeah, it it seems like the that the the coaches and the players are quite happy to let the penalty be taken by the most confident person who wants to take it at the time. I suppose it's normally the person who went down and created the penalty because I think, it, like you say, with that Alessandra, I'm pretty sure he was the man that that went down on that occasion and therefore he got to take his his penalty as, yeah. as a reward for winning the penalty. I suppose yeah. it was a stonewall penalty. Do you remember the, much of the challenge? Did you see uh, the way Zanzala's strength was quite impressive? again from Zanzala. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, like you say, uh, you mentioned that he gets goal side of his man and then just gets pulled down, which is a testament to his strength because you get into a position where the opponent has only two choices, either they let you go or they pull you down. And whether whether consciously or not, the Barrow defender decided he was going to pull Zanzala down. Uh, Zanzala, he made sure he won it, but with the referee's performance, you, you know, you want to see players making sure that, you know, when they're being pulled down, they do go down and don't try and stay on their feet. I think Zanzala definitely picked his moments very well during this game when he did go down on the occasions that he was fighting and scrapping for the ball. He did his best for most of the game to stay on his feet. I think he learned a good lesson from the Scunthorpe game the previous week where the referee wasn't going to give him anything early on because he Mm. kept going to ground so regularly. I feel like he maybe learned how valuable it is to stay on your feet on certain occasions and maybe only go to the ground when it's on an important occasion to do so. And um, the penalty itself... Yeah, uh, the penalty itself was extremely well taken. The goalkeeper sent the wrong way. You can't really fault that when that happens. It's lovely to see when it happens. And it's, it looks like a confident striker taking a penalty. Do you have much more to add about the penalty? Yeah, I was happy with the penalty. I was uh, nervous in the run-up to it, about as nervous as I've been this season, just because I felt there's so much riding on it. And I didn't know whether Zanzala was supposed to be the designated t- taker. And... <laughs> I, I, I just had this fear as well of, you know, all the things run through your head. You're like, oh, is, if, if he misses this, what's he going to do to his confidence? Oh. Um, um, so, yeah, I was relieved to see it hit the back of the net. And I think we deserve to be level. So, you know, I was I was glad that we got that far. <laughs> I had all I had all the confidence in the world when he picked the ball up that he was going to score it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, re- I, re- I really I really did. He was one of the few players that I would have had all the confidence in the world of doing it. He he, yeah. he deserved to take the penalty. Tireless effort throughout the game, feeding off next to nothing, and did his best with the opportunities that came his way. So. As it stands, Carlisle uh, now drawing the game. It's 2-2 and we've got about 12 minutes left and we look to press, to be honest. And it was only around this time where Patrick decided to sort of come alive a bit more and was more open to receiving the ball, dropping a bit deeper and collecting it from the midfield and then running at the opposition defenders. There was some really good energy from Carlisle United in the last 10 minutes of the game. Just not enough quality going forward. The final balls just weren't finding uh, the intended targets. And if anything, in the last 10 minutes, 
Barrow probably had the better chance. There was a shot from just outside the area that whistled wide of the post. Um, it kept Farman alert for the for the last 10 minutes of the game. Then Danny Devine got to come off the bench for about three seconds at the end before the whistle was blown. <laughs> so that was lovely to see Danny get a little run out there. Um, all in all, 2-2. Like I've mentioned earlier, I feel like it's two points dropped, mate, because of the team that we put out on the day. The start yeah. and 11 being our best start and 11, um, arguably. Yeah. It feels like two points dropped for me, mate. How do you feel about the game? Yeah, at, at this stage of the season, every result you can immediately see and how it affects your team's chances of going up. So, um, you know, some teams have only got five games left to play. So one game, uh, whether it's three points or whether it's one point, that difference, you know, immediately, you know, we only get a draw and you look at the table and it suddenly looks a lot more difficult to get promoted. Not terrible. I mean, there is if that result had been at the start of the season, I'd have been quite happy with it because, you know, you, I wouldn't be thinking how this is going to affect our promotion challenge. But just because we're now at a stage where you can't afford to be happy with draws because every time you drop two points, you can you can see the target for seventh position just getting a little bit further out of reach. And and it didn't actually move further out of reach for us, but Exeter had a good win that puts probably Exeter in pole position should Newport slip up. Uh, Salford have jumped above us. One thing I will mention from the other games is that Forest Green are having an absolute nightmare. Um, They've just sacked their manager today, being announced, Mark Cooper gone. And... Um, I wasn't thinking about them before as a team that might drop out of the playoffs, but looking at their form now, they they might well do, and it it might end up that it's not Newport we're chasing down to get into the playoffs, but Forest Green. Um, either way, it's a a little step back, not a terrible one, but it's it's a step in the wrong direction that kind of like feels promotions just slipping away from us. Yeah, I had a look at the league table just before uh, we jumped on this call. I don't think Morecambe are out of reach either. I think they're an inconsistent mm. team. They're only ever one game away from a six-game losing streak. Uh, they're, they're that sort of side. Yeah. They're playing well at the moment, mind, but they do tend yeah. to crumble towards the end of the season. So we'll see if that yeah. happens again. Um, but Trammy obviously you be- can look... Sorry, obviously you can look below... Carlisle as well at Bradford yeah. and at Lake Norient because um, them two aren't completely out of it. If we're not out of it, then them two definitely aren't. What were you going to say? I'm, Sorry. I mean, like what's below us at this point, it doesn't really matter because we just want to keep winning our games. And my point is that's probably what Exeter are thinking about us. You know, they're looking mm-hmm. at like us and Salford below them and thinking, doesn't matter what Carlisle do, if we win our games, we'll go into the playoffs. That does make sense. It does make sense. Um, you, sister Tranmere are also up there, but I think I think they're safe. I think I, th- I don't know, just a little bit too far out of touch, and they've got a little bit. Yeah, I've got quality. a few too many points. Their yeah. their form suggests that they might drop out, or that they might have to start looking over their shoulders. I mean, the, the um, goal difference but, is pretty weak. Yeah, I think that's one of the big things as well. You know, when you've got a really tight running goal difference, you know, makes a lot. That's one of the main things that Exeter have going for for them. Uh, Salford a little bit as well, and then and then we're just behind them so Morecambe have quite poor goal difference yeah plus so, one yeah very yeah. poor so you know anyone who can catch Morecambe up on points are likely to finish ahead of them yeah I mean you know there'll be chances and there'll be times in the rest of the season where 
you know, where we come close to getting into the playoff places, where maybe during a match, as things stand, we're going into the playoff places. So, you know, I think there'll still be a couple of those twists and turns. And, I think so. you know, we're still think, in there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think the season's over yet. I think it's definitely still worth being excited for. Uh, there's still a lot to look forward to. And if we do make it into the playoffs, fans will be allowed back into the ground. So I'm sure they'll be the hottest tickets in town that week, uh, that Tuesday <laughs> night or, or Thursday night or whenever they decide mm. to do uh, our leg of a playoff semi-final, um, if we probably, do make it that far. Yeah, probably so, only uh, for I mean, people be that have been vaccinated. I mean, yeah, you might have to have one like a, like some kind of fancy license or something like that to say mm. that I've been vaccinated or something. But then again, I don't I don't know what they've been doing. Um, but let's let's stay away from that topic, Will. Actually, <laughs> that's, too, that's too much for me. Can I ask you for a man of the match for the Barrow game, please, mate? Uh, I'm gonna give man of the match award to Callum Guy. I agree. Yeah, that's see why I would have given the man of the match man of the match award to as well. If it wasn't going to be Callum Guy, I think I might have given it to Alessandra. I think he had a pretty good game. Uh, he was tireless. He tried hard. He doesn't get the credit that Zanzala gets for his performances. So I think on this occasion, if anything, Alessandro might have had a better game than Zanzala because he was yeah. more willing to come closer to the play and pick up the ball and then run with it and then try and link other people in. But Yep, I agree with you. Callum Guy is probably my um, man of the match as well. So we'll call him our Foxy's feature man of the match. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about new gimmicks, mate. It's all about new gimmicks. <laughs> right. Um, well, Will, I really appreciate you joining me for the Barrow Match Report. And uh, it's going to be Newport, Newport, Concrete Jungle, where Wales is made of, or something like that. I can't remember. Um, Newport ah, is next you've up. You've got to work on that. Yeah, I've got to. I've got, I've got to work on that. Uh, yeah, Newport is next pointer. up. That's a six pointer, mate. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to be discussing that with Dylan from the Prawn Sandwich Podcast, which will be I'll up. Be tuning in into a- that. That's it, mate, which will be happening in just a couple of seconds where I'm going to edit in some kind of noise right now and then we're going to go over to our second match report. All right, so thanks a lot, Will, mate. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me on. I look forward to being on again with some good news, hopefully. I mean, hopefully. (laughs) And by the time I speak to you again, we could be in the playoffs. You never know. You never know, mate. I like I like that. I like that. That's a good <laughs> way for you to sign off, mate. Thanks very much for joining yeah. me this week. I'll see you next time, buddy. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Right. Uh, good to go. All right. Beautiful. Okay, back again. This is episode 13 of the Blue Army podcast, and I am joined by Dylan from the Prawn Sandwich podcast. Dylan, how are you doing, mate? What's going on? Not bad, mate. Not bad on this beautiful morning. (laughs) That's it, mate. It's another morning session for me. Nathan pulled me on the first morning recording session that I've ever had, and then you've continued the theme for the Prawn Sandwich podcast. Now, I've already had Jamie, and uh, like I've said, I've already had Nathan on, and they've both told us a little bit about the Prawn Sandwich podcast, but you were all brought in in slightly different ways. Obviously, Nathan started it on his own. Can you maybe tell us um, your memories of how you were brought in, and and then just continue to tell us a little bit about your views of what the Prawn Sandwich podcast is? 
Yeah, so Nathan obviously started it. He did a few episodes on his own. I was actually a guest, first of all, just to talk about... Uh, sure, it was, it was the current time at Sunderland. It was about two years ago. Um, and then he was doing it on his own, and he was just finding it... Because he's not... He doesn't base it on a team. It's obviously general football. He's finding it hard to maybe do it on his own, keep it going. So he asked myself and Jamie if we'd go along, and I... Happy to do it. So were you, um, were you two brought in at exactly the same time, were you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay went on to talk about Serie A in the nineties because Jay loves nostalgic football, <laughs> and then I did added current Sunderland, and then we've been mates for years, all three of us. So he just asked us if we would fancy it, and I was more than happy. Um, we had a football manager save because it was locked down at the time as well, so we were all just like, yeah, yeah, get we'll we'll fire on, we'll just crack on with it. Um, They're the episodes I really enjoy. I like the football manager chronicles. <laughs> yeah, and you all you yeah. all seem to sort of go for your your favoured um, interests. I think Jamie's got a, a team in in the nineties, is it? Or have I got everyone's team mixed up there? Yeah, no, no, it's right. Uh, Jamie's doing. So if you if you follow us on all social medias, uh, we're doing a football manager chronicles where we we've just finished recording a season, so that should drop. Episode four should drop soon. Um, Jamie is Palmer. From 1999, 2000, uh, I am I'm Deportivo Lacaruna, but current on the current game. And Nath is Aston Villa from 1999 to 2000. He likes the on Dublin, so he went for it. <laughs> uh, well, fair enough, if you've got somebody that you really fancy. Yeah. I do like the way they've brought back those um, retro databases because, you know, you do feel really like good. you've got a bit of insider knowledge, a bit of back to the future um, manager in, I suppose. Yeah, and you can sort of really, really good. Yeah, you, you 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 can obviously be the best scout that's ever existed because you can, you can <laughs> see into the future, I suppose. Where's the uh, where's the best place to find the Prawn Sandwich podcast? Where do you like to send people to go? Uh, we are everywhere, but I always just the normal, the the main one, the Apple on your iTunes. Um, that's pretty much how many people have an iPhone these days. Uh, that's probably the best one. Spotify, Acast, anywhere you can get them. Uh, go to our Twitter. Prawn podcast or Instagram prawn underscore sandwich and you'll find the links on there. All right, mate. Spot on. Thank you very much. I've, uh, we've gone past your plug now, so you can relax a little bit. <laughs> uh, we're going to dive into the match report. It was a nil-nil draw, obviously. So um, I feel like you've been ripped off, to be honest, compared to your uh, fellow co-hosts. They had a couple of goals to at least talk about. So at the end of the match report, I've prepared a little bit of a quiz. There's only five questions, so it's not going to take forever. And it's not going to be too challenging. There's a theme for the quiz, right. but we'll get to it later. All right, we'll get to that a little bit later. I'll start by going through the Carlisle United lineup as I normally do. Okay, Carlisle United kicked off against Newport County with Paul Farman in goal, Danny Devine at the back line for the first time in a very long time. It was nice to see him come back. Hayden, McDonald, and Armour making up the rest of the back line. Riley, Guy, and Mellish were in the midfield. Patrick, Alessandra and Zanzala were all up front. Now, Dylan, you don't watch Carlisle United week in, week out. As you've just explained, you are a Sunderland fan. 
This is yeah. almost the same team for five games in a row. The only difference being that Danny Devine was brought in at right back. Now, I like having a little debate uh, with my fellow co-hosts about sometimes, is it better to make changes or is it better if it's not broken, just don't fix the formula sort of thing. Bearing in mind, Carlisle are playing week in, week out, Saturday, Tuesday, and have been doing so since February. So would you be, are you a tinkerer on Football Manager? Do you like to change people <laughs> and keep everyone at 100% conditioning? Or do you not mind people sort of coming in on that sort of shaded green colour and not necessarily the bright green that we all like to see? I'm a bit different. I, I don't know. I, I, I like to go up to everyone be fully fit and stuff. Because I knew I was coming this, I did watch the Barrow as well. I thought, I'm not, I, I won't go into it, like, totally unknown. And um, I thought the right back was maybe at fault for the second goal against Barrow. So I can see maybe why he's decided to bring Devine in. I thought he probably had in his mind half and half, I could give away a penalty, but I think he kind of cocked the challenge a little bit. So maybe he just thought one change might do it. But I do think Saturday, Tuesday is a bit hard to keep all them fresh and fit. Uh, Sunderland, we like to rotate a lot sometimes I think it can be bad if you do it too much so maybe just the one maybe could have made another change in midfield maybe but I don't see it that bad it's a long trip as well could you have to factor sometimes in that stuff uh but no I think there's some key moments in the game where they do look a bit tired uh clearance wise or finishing so maybe you could make, mix it up a bit but I don't have the broad knowledge of the squad to know if the people coming in are good enough. Are they better than Zanzale? Are they better than Patrick? Are they better than Mellish? I'm not. I, I know I know the board of the starting eleven from talking to people. Like I run, I run a pub in the middle of Cardale. So I get a lot of home fans. So I know I know a lot of the starting eleven, but I'm not got abroad to know if they're good enough, if you know what I mean, coming in. No, absolutely. I mean, you 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 are right to say that uh, Carlisle probably looked tired, sort of going into the going into the second half and the latter stages of the game. Chris Beach has, like I've said, played the played pretty much the same team for the last five games in a row, and he's not the sort of manager that likes to make changes. I mean, in some games he doesn't make any substitutions, and most of the time he does make a substitution. It's it's in the 80th minute or later. He does like to stick with his first team, um, but yeah. some of that has been restricted by injury uh, we lost Brennan Dickinson who was a very good uh, left-sided player uh, either in attack or in the midfield and for a while we were missing um, Coyote who came on towards the end of this game but he was probably the focal point of Carlisle's attack for most parts of the um, the start of the season and especially through that really rich vein of form that we found ourselves on the top of the league Carlisle didn't look too bad in the first half. I thought it was, it was quite a nice game. Patrick was getting on the ball on the right-hand side and Zanzala was doing the same on the left-hand side. They were both trying to make their respective impacts on the game. I also think John Mellish had a pretty good game in the midfield and he was linking up quite well. Was there anyone um, that individually stood out for you in the first half? I thought Patrick was decent, just the final ball. Maybe at times um, there was one in the I know in the first, I one in the second half as well. And Zanzale did a really one way. He did a really good cutback and then just yeah, chopped back. And then when he when he cut it back, he went right to the keeper. Um, I just think there was a lot of get get in there, and then there was no product at the end of it. That was the issue. But I thought, yeah, I'm glad. I, thought I thought all front three were, were troubling them. Um, 
trouble on the rig really well. It looked like they were going to go on to win it, to be honest, um, which would have been a great win against Newport if we were up there as well. But yeah, front three for me were trouble on them. If they can keep that going, if, say, if you can get that Coyote back as well, and they've got four options, all the better for them on the final push. Yeah, it did. It did definitely um, look like the the attackers were up for it. In fact, to just scratch that, it looked like Carlisle were up for it in general in the first half. It did look like we were going to get a goal through a lot of the work rate. I made a couple of notes while I was watching the game, and what sort of points out to me right now is that I've written down that Carlisle were working hard to create most of their chances, but on the flip side, most of Newport's chances were coming from our own mistakes. So it, I almost feel like maybe we're a little bit too uh, quick to want to get the ball forward and then when we were perhaps scrambling our lines or maybe looking a little bit for the pass we, we that's when we were getting caught off guard or maybe a bad back pass or maybe someone just dwindling on the ball a little bit too long I'd say Carlisle's best chance as it often does came from a set piece uh, Callum Guy is the number one assister in League 2 and his delivery from the free kicks and from corners is obviously evident of that. The best chance was um, a, a free kick that came in from the right-hand side, pretty deep, a nice swinging ball in, and uh, a header from McDonald, the defender, just found itself going wide of the post. That was probably the best chance of the first half, the most clear-cut chance. Do you remember that? Did you, did you see anything of note there? Yeah, absolutely. Should have buried it. Um, I know he's a centre-half, but he should have absolutely buried it. Um, to not get it on target, especially, was a real like blow. You're thinking, I don't know, he, he could have been the hero because he'd made a really good block before that as well uh, for the Newport chance. So if he could have went up and then scored, it'd have been even better for him. Um, but yeah, like I say, watch the Barrow one. That Callum guy, he does that, he, that great delivery. Um, obviously, he got the assist in the Barrow game with the corner, and then that delivery was even probably even better today from the from a deep free kick. Sometimes them ones are just hoofed in and hopefully win, but he put it right on a spot where he should have. Yeah, he should have absolutely buried it. Being a been a big strong centre half, he should have just totally because he got, he got away from his marker brilliantly. Keeper would have had no chance. Yeah, a bit disappointing. Yeah, his, his deliveries are top draw. His technique is obviously evident of the training that he's had over the years. Um, at first, I thought he actually came from Sunderland, but it was just one of those brain farts because he looks so much like Chris Lumsden. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my bad, I suppose. Uh, obviously, we move on into the second half. It's still nil-nil. And uh, the game sort of descended into a more of a scrappy affair in the second half. I don't like to use the term too much. I think I already used it in the Barrow game, but it was a League Two game. Um, yeah. and, and it was one of those ones that it was just a bit of a scrappy affair and the, and the quality in the final third was lacking from both sides. Uh, there was a, a great start from Omari Patrick again, as we've already mentioned him earlier on in the first half. He made a very good run down the right-hand side, picking up a sort of lofted ball, ran at his defender, took it past one full-back, and then the other full-back sort of came over and made a very good challenge. Again, confidence was high, and I thought we were going to get that goal eventually. What did you think? No, that chance he did really well. Um did really well to beat the fullback in the air and then power on. Um, I just think that chance specifically, 
Yeah, if you look at it, I watched it a few times. He he looks up. I think he's in two minds whether to shoot or square it. He it looked like he just didn't know what to do. And then by the time he thought, right, I hit it. It was a really good recovery challenge, to be fair, to the other fullback. But you think, just make your mind up. When you hit, when he hit that burst, just be like, right, I'm going to shoot or I'm going to square it. He just seemed to dither a bit and then let them back in. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't really many new pop shots from what I wrote down. They had, it like, they had a volley that went close off a... It was a pure defensive header, actually, I wrote down from Carlisle. Um, I don't know if it hit the bar or it just looped onto the top of the net, but it was about a 30-yard volley. Um, and then they had another one, Nicky Maynard on the spin. Uh, but it was, it, it went a bit scrappy. Um, but I still think Carlisle could have edged it. They had another chance and Melish forced the keeper into a save. Uh, but yeah, it went, it went a bit, it's going to fade out into a nil-nil or someone's going to nick maybe a set-piece goal, but just didn't work out for Carlisle, unfortunately. I'm glad you mentioned John Mellish there. John Mellish was brought off in the second half and it was probably because he was on a yellow. Now, I noticed the tactics um, that Carlisle were using against Barrow. There was a man in the first half, I believe his name was El- Elderly or Erdly or something like that. And and he made a, a, a quite brash challenge in the first half of the Barrow game. And the, the, the consensus was the referees made a mistake there and, and he should probably, probably be sent off. And so for the rest of the first half, Carlisle were pinging the ball sort of towards him and making him have those 50-50 challenges against our attackers. And I thought that's a really clever technique. I mean, it's nasty in the way that you want to get somebody sent off, but it does, you know, you're putting the ball into those areas because you know that that man will probably let your attacker go past him because he's not going to bring him down. But on the flip side, I saw the same thing happening to John Mellish in this game against Newport County. It looked like Newport were very happy to sort of get the ball into the man who was um, one-on-one with Mellish, the sort of person who was marking Mellish and forced Mellish into making uh, tackles. What do you think about that as a technique? Is it a little bit underhanded? Are you just playing within the rules of the game? I mean, there's no button for that on Football Manager, is there? No. (laughs) No. I think at that level of football, stuff like that will probably help you win games now and again. Dark arts, if you want to call it or whatever, but <laughs> th- there is though this 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 stuff that, that fr- frustrates me with like Sunderland, where I think our players aren't physical enough. Sometimes you need one one guy who's going to be like that. It might not be right. It might not be dignified by some people, but if it works and you take you take a key player out the game, it works, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, some just, of the uniquities of playing at this level, perhaps, I suppose, uh, comes with the sort of yeah, like added yeah, yeah. effects of some 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 underhanded, slightly tactics that would definitely get noticed with all those extra cameras and spotlights up there in the in the <laughs> higher echelons of of English and European oh, football. <laughs> so uh, Carlisle grew into the second half for the first sort of fifteen to twenty minutes. Things were looking pretty well, but most of Carlisle's shots were coming from outside the area. Now. I did mention in our my last match report against Barrow that Carlisle are the sort of team that do play for set pieces. We are the sort of team that will shoot from outside the box in the hopes of getting a corner. And then therefore we've got, you know, Callum Guy, like we've mentioned earlier, who's very capable of a good delivery. And Carlisle obviously work very hard on the training ground when it comes to putting together set piece plays and that sort of thing. So, 
it wasn't the best of games to watch, in all honesty. <laughs> when you sort of like when you're playing for set pieces and you're not getting them, uh, <laughs> it's it, it it can be a bit frustrating. But Carlisle's best chance in the second half, Omari Patrick again working tirelessly on the right hand side, found a low. It might have been a shot, but it came off as more of a cross. It fell along to Zanzala and I'm not sure if he wasn't expecting it to come to him or he just couldn't get his feet right and make his mind up if he was going to take a chance with his left or go with his favoured right or I'm not sure but it was it was a chance that went begging sort of around the 79th minute and, and you would have thought if he could sort his feet out Carlisle might have won the game there do you remember that incident? Yeah I just think you've nailed it there maybe tiredness didn't know what to do with what foot uh, but unfortunately, at that level, sometimes that's probably going to happen. Um, yeah, it's another one where I know you're saying nil nil, but I generally didn't think it was that bad of a nil nil. I generally think there was chances that it could have been a two one or a two nil or maybe one one. But yeah, just little time bits at times, maybe both sides didn't just do enough to go for it. Um, I think Newport being above you took the point, to be honest which is pure from a team above you. But I think they took the point and thought we'll take the point. Um, I actually think Carlisle edged it. And with chances like that, like you say, they should have probably took the three points. It felt right. The momentum of the game was was probably uh, in Carlisle's favour, especially when the whistle blow and it did feel like an opportunity that went missing probably, especially because the other results went our way. And if we did pick up the three points against Newport County, we would have found ourselves just inside of the playoffs again. And that would have made a lot of Blues fans feel a lot happier right now. <laughs> but as it stands, we took the point and it was an, it's an okay point. It, it probably feels a bit harsher because we didn't get the three points against Barrow and um, Barrow yeah. being a relegation struggling sides, um, we would have liked to have beaten them, not just because they're our rivals, but, you know, because we're, we're going for a higher finish, I suppose. So we would have liked to have, have yeah. beaten them. United's defence got a lot better in the second half. There was a couple of key interceptions in the air. McDonald's confidence grew there. Coyote came on towards the end of the game and he was the only player in Carlisle United's um, team that got onto the pitch. I'll just double check to see if uh, Ethan Walker made it onto the pitch as a substitution. No, he didn't. Coyote was the only player for Carlisle, that is on loan at the club. Uh, Carlisle this season have been doing pretty well at not using any loan signings in the start and 11, not relying on anyone that isn't under a full-time contract. Now, on the flip side of that, most of the start and 11 only have a one-year deal and they might not sign at the end of the year. So it's not like you've got added security by giving most of the players a full-time contract. Um, Do you feel like... At this level in League Two, we're maybe missing out on some opportunities by not going into the loan market as much as some of our rivals perhaps are around us. I do, hundred percent. Yeah, I think in the lower leagues, the loan market can be brilliant. Um, I just feel like even if it's just to bulk out your squad a little bit and give you options, it can be so. I, I get it. Not all of them work. That's fine, but I still feel like you need to get those one or two in that can help you have a push. 
from like personal thing, I know right now that Sunderland would be fucked if we didn't have the loan system. Sorry for yeah. the sorry for the language. But <laughs> we would our best sent halves on loan. We've got a winger on loan from Rangers. Um and I and I, I get it. We can probably attract a higher loan than Carlisle would. But I still think you could get a decent loan from the championship and maybe even the lower Premier League, like a young, young kid. Uh I just just in key positions, maybe like a striker or a midfielder who attacks. Um I think it's sometimes it's all right getting your defenders signed on. Like I said, I know we've got one centre half. Um, I think Carlisle should should look into it next season if they do. Because like you say, the risk of the one-year deals, you might have to build another squad again. And then you just don't know where you're at. Especially if some of these lads have done well and League One teams come and knock and you've got no chance of keeping them on a renewed deal. I think sometimes get the loans in because if you get promoted with loans... You're going to keep your first team because they're not going to want to go if you're in League One. They're going to stay with you. It's uh, true. I mean, so I think Carlisle. Yeah. yeah, I mean, sorry. I mean, most most of the time when you bring in a loan signing and and if you if they do well with you and you get promoted to the next level, most of the time they'll loan them back to yeah because they can see the progress yeah, yeah. in the player going towards to going towards the next yeah. level sort of thing. So it can almost be more secure than having somebody signed to a one year deal because even in League Two, if somebody. If if you've got a top goal scorer on a one year contract in League Two, he's probably not going to sign to be there in League One. He's probably going to get snapped up by a Championship team if he's at the end of his contract. I mean, most Championship yeah. teams will take a chance on the League Two top goal scorer there. So yeah, it's 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 a little bit concerning to be honest that we're not taking advantage of all the loan systems and we're only signing people to one year contracts. So it's not extra secure in any way, shape, or form. Um, but I did want to bring it to the forefront of the attention there. And yeah. uh, I think I, th- I think we handled that subject pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> now um, the game finished nil nil. Like we've both said, it wasn't the worst nil nil in the world. I've seen worse results. In fact, I've seen worse draws with goals in it. To be completely honest with you, <laughs> can you maybe zero in on one player in particular and give me a Foxy's feature man of the match? Yeah. <laughs> um, from what I've seen. Uh... It might be the boring pick, but I really think Rod McDonald had a good game. I watched the Barrow game and thought the defence was quite nervy against a lower team. I thought Hayden made a few poor headers in that game, got caught on the break. But Rod McDonald, I'll give him an 8 out of 10. 10 if, 10 if he'd have buried that chance. <laughs> uh, but no, he made great, great recovery challenge, stopped the goal, never looked in trouble. Like I, say, like I said before, new post chances were pop shots on the edge of the box, like a spinning volley. Uh, they never had a clear-cut opportunity. Um, and I just think he stood out a little bit more than Hayden. So I would I would go Rod McDonald. I think he had a really good game. I think he definitely grew into the game. His second-half second half performance was was exemplary. Uh, he, yeah. he took control of the back line, so to speak, and, and had a really good performance. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair shout for the Foxes feature. Man of the match. <laughs> I think I'm going to come up with a jingle there as well. Um, so I wanted to point out a few things once we finish talking about the game. The, the, the pitch conditions, I think it's called Boundary Park, where it is they share it with a rugby team. Now, in, in my opinion, and I don't know if I'm a bit of a snob because uh, Carlisle's at the same level of football and there's a rugby pitch literally a stone's throw away from Brunton Park. Yeah. So we don't have to ground share with the local rugby team. There's enough facilities in the city. 
when you get to the professional stage of the game and you're ground sharing with a rugby team and it's so evident that the impact on the pitch is 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 destroying the ability of any kind of good football to be played on it without without the p- pitch being some kind of factor do you think it's fair that a home no. team can have that kind of advantage no i think it's i think it's really i think it's really poor to be honest where i don't like it is so Harrogate came up and it's an artificial pitch. I understand that. But they weren't allowed to play home games because of an artificial pitch. But that Newport can play home games on what could sometimes look like a dirt track. I think it actually looked all right last night con- con- compared to some games. I've watched it on when you watch Quest on a night and you watch all the highlights. <laughs> yeah. I think it looked actually all right last night. I was quite surprised. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was still terrible, but it looked better than it has in in some weeks. And you just, it's not, it's not fair. I get it. There's little things in football where teams play Man City and they make the grass a little bit longer, or they wet it a bit more, or they don't wet it to dry it down. Yeah, yeah. fair enough. Teams are going to do that, but that is not a pitch. Um, it's the same in it's the same in League One. Like they're going to go up probably, but Peterborough Peterborough's pitch is terrible, and it's like. That just shouldn't they shouldn't be allowed. Like, and to share with the rugby team, fair enough. But isn't rugby their main sport in Wales? Should be the rugby pitches everywhere <laughs> like, for them to play on. Like, no, it, 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 I don't agree with it. Uh, it's really poor. It, it, it makes it makes yeah. the standards of the game just look just look a bit poor. I reckon the only reason the Newport pitch looked um, better than it normally does is because you just watched the Barrow game and their pitch looked bloody awful as well. <laughs> Yeah, true. The, the thing with Barrow though is I can can kind of let it go because uh, they probably never thought they were going to get to League Two. Well, they probably thought we will eventually, but not now. So to them, it's maybe a bit of a shock. Like, and it's like, oh shit, we've only had a few months to get it sorted. Newport have been a League Two team now for how long? Like, because they're always in playoff. I've seen them in playoff races loads of times. So for them, there should be no excuse. They've been a professional club now for in the EFL for said time. Sorry for my bad research, Newport fans, but like you have been, you've been it for a substantial amount of time to sort that out for me. Yeah, so. it's too poor. It's too poor. Yeah. The result of the game didn't really affect the league table too much. Uh, Carlisle made up zero ground on anyone. Most of the teams around us ended up drawing. I did want to sort of draw attention to the way that the fixtures are for the uh, last uh, running of the season. Now, we do have a game in hand over teams in fifth and sixth, uh, which aren't completely out of reach for Carlisle, to be completely honest. I'd say yeah. there is eight teams in the sort of hunt for those playoff positions, and Carlisle are one of the teams that have 40 games, and we're probably looking to push into the playoff positions. Luckily mm-hmm. for us... Most of our fixtures are against teams that are between 11th and 18th. And they don't really have a lot left to play for, to be completely honest. They're safe and they're probably way too far adrift to be considering the playoffs. For me, those teams are the ideal 
teams to be coming up against at the latter stages of the season. You don't want to be coming up against anyone in the bottom five because they're going to be trying to survive. And you don't want to be coming up against anyone in and around you because they're pushing for promotion. Do you fancy, obviously, after having a pub and, and, and maybe sort of like looking on Twitter and, and things like that, I know it's difficult for you to, to, to give a fair prediction, but do you think Carlisle are in with a sniff of getting into those playoffs this year? Yeah, if the only thing that I can't really comment on is I, I don't really know the other team's fixtures. I know the Carlisle ones. Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at ten points they can get. I think ten, maybe maybe twelve. Obviously, Cheltenham away and Bolton away are tough asks. Bolton's form is ridiculous, and Cheltenham top of the league. I think Port Vale's a hard game. They won six in a row. Um, my mate's actually a Port Vale fan. Um, they won six on the bounce. And if they beat Carlisle, it'd be the first time in their history they won seven on the bounce. Mm. So, But you're looking at, even though it's a way, go to Leighton Orient win. Just just do the business. You have to beat Walsall at home. Uh, Harrogate. Go and, just go and beat Harrogate. So... There's nine points I would I would I would like to think they would get. Uh, I would probably have them losing to Cheltenham, but the thing with the Bolton is you, the run's got to end. So why not let it be Carlisle? Like even if you get a point, that's a good away point. If you get a win, great. Uh, but yeah, definitely definitely nine points, possibly twelve. They can definitely beat Portville. Like I say, seven in a row is hard to do. So see what happens on Saturday. But I think they can definitely do it. Um, like I say, I haven't looked at the other clubs' fixtures around them. So I can't really comment on it, but they're in. They struggled a bit, and then they've hit back. So just try and keep a bit of confidence. Say if they if they can sort the finishing out, because that was just what like looked like. Even Barrow, I know it was two two, but they could have had four or five from what I watched. Easy. Uh, so if they can just get a cutting edge about them in the right right areas, if they can get Coyote back, if he starts scoring again, then brilliant. Go just push on. Yeah, it's um, definitely still all to play for, mate. Absolutely, definitely still all to play for. Well, thank you very much for uh, for helping me with a nil-nil match report. I know it could maybe seem a bit daunting <laughs> when that result comes in to think, God, what are we going to talk about for like 20, 30 minutes? Nil-nil and no goals. I did still prepare a quiz. And if you're ready, we're going to go through the quiz. Um, I got the idea off, off, off you guys when I did the Prawn right. Sandwich podcast. Yeah. You guys do a quiz. But because it's only me and you i don't think we'll need a pen and paper i'll just ask the question and you can have a couple of seconds to think about it if you need it i mean you might be quick on the draw and you can just fire fire off the answers okay so i've got five questions okay the answer to every question is a player that has played for both Carlisle United and Sunderland. So it's yeah. going to be um, easier for you and easier for everyone else at home that's listening to enjoy. All right. Maybe. So maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've tried to keep it. I've tried to keep it within your uh, within your years on this earth anyway. So we haven't got too many like crazy historic questions <laughs> or anything like that. Rito. Which Sunderland youth product won a championship title with the club before moving to Carlisle and winning 16 Man of the Match awards in his debut season? I'll do that again for you, mate. Mm -hmm. Which Sunderland youth product 
won a championship title with the club before moving to Carlisle and winning 16 Man of the Match awards in his debut season with the Cumbrians. So at the time, it was called the championship. It was called yeah. the championship at the time, or at least that's what Wikipedia will put it down. Or all three or four. So there's two years to pick from. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I said, do you know what? I'll give you the year because I don't know if Wikipedia is right if it was called the championship. The, the championship win came in the 99 uh, season. Right, okay. That changes it. So it's one of two <laughs> players. Right, because you've mentioned him today already, I'm going to go Chris Lumsden. Oh, so your final answer? Yeah, but now I think it's the other guy that I've got in my head. <laughs> well, you're better <laughs> off sticking with your instincts, mate, because you yeah. got the first one right. That's Chris Lumsden. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> That's one, one for one, one for one. Oh, Rito, yeah, question two. After yeah. being relegated whilst on loan with Carlisle, which Sunderland goalkeeper went on to play for his country? Okay, one more time. After being relegated whilst on loan with Carlisle, which Sunderland goalkeeper went on to play for his country? Jordan Pickford. Oh, it's confidence. He's smiling at me, everyone. And he's right. It's Jordan Pickford. Yeah, yeah they can't all be tough ones, can they? We've got, we've got to throw in some of the some easier <laughs> ones there. Yeah, well, he wasn't there for the whole season, to be completely honest. So it's a bit harsh yeah, to say that yeah. like he, he got he, he would get it on his <laughs> CV. But he was he was there that season. We did get relegated. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so question three. Signed by Roy Keane. Which once-capped Frenchman would eventually sign for Carlisle after a spell at non-league side Market Drayton Town? Oh, I can see you smiling already, but I am yeah. going to repeat the question for the people Sorry. listening. Signed by Roy Keane, which once-capped Frenchman would eventually sign for Carlisle after a spell at non-league Market Drayton Town? Go on, buddy, you look confident again. I'll go for it, and apparently, if it, if I'm right, this guy still lives in the northeast. Uh, can't believe Roy Keane signed him, but I'm going to go Pascal Chimbonda. Pascal Chimbonda is the correct answer. It's free for free, but yeah, we're breezing home here, mate. Yeah. <laughs> we're breezing home here. What a what a what a character, eh? What a character. What a guy to bring into your team. Not case. <laughs> Well, actually, you also know she didn't because he chilled out, just 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 a mellow guy. Just didn't care, but yeah, character. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that was it. He just kind of like, yeah, I'm a footballer, and <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. he just wasn't bothered, was he? He just had that personality. <laughs> Great guy to have around the place. Right. Um, which attacker has scored a combined total of sixty-three goals for both clubs to date? Uh, it's got to be Big Charlie on it. It is Big Charlie White. Four for four. Four for four. Right, mates, we've got one more question and then we're going to send you on your way. Here we go. For the clean sweep. After just one season with Sunderland, which former Irish international played 64 times for Carlisle United before going on to manage the Blues? That's one more time. Just mm-hmm. after one 
season with Sunderland, which far former Irish international played 64 times for United and went on to manage the Cumbrians? Big Graham Kavanagh. Boom! He's brought the house down. It's five out of five. Beep, beep, beep. I actually quite like Kavanagh, me. Yeah, yeah. I was surprised that he only had one season with Sunderland. That's most of his pitches are in a Sunderland shirt. Yeah, I don't think he 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 faded out the squad towards the end. Um, he's one of Keane's first signings when we were terrible. Uh, Keane made six signings on deadline day. Um, he was one, and straight into the team scored. Actually, I think. I don't know if it was his debut. It could be, bad knowledge, but it could be. Leads away, we won 3-0. He scored a volley from, what, 25 yards. And then I think just legs, little few niggly injuries. Um, and then I don't think he was ready for the Prem. But I liked him in the Championship, like fair play to Cav. Good I was a top bro. player, top player at Carlisle. Yeah. I like, it, it, he was known for scoring great goals. He wouldn't score good goals. He would score... Absolutely yeah. great goals. Um, he didn't like running with the ball too much, so that's why he probably oh, shoot as often as he did from range, I reckon. <laughs> it's very much like, I'm not bloody running with it. Bang! Let's <laughs> see if it goes in. Right, Dylan, mate, I thank you very much for joining me today on the Blue Army podcast. Have you enjoyed yourself? Yeah, mate. Good, good talk about Carlisle. <laughs> it wasn't an easy one but I appreciate your time mate I appreciate your time um, right this has been episode 13 of the Blue Army podcast I have been Skelly that was Dylan from the Prawn Sandwich podcast we were also joined by Wills for the Barrow game and we're going to sign off we're, as usual with my loud and local segment this week we have got the band Broken Spectre and their song Interference Overhead so for now that's bye from me and it's bye from Dylan bye <laughs> and we'll see you next time cheers Mara
away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.